What's going on there, Youth Pastors? Paul Turner here from the DiscipleProject.net and your host of the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, the podcast that wants to keep you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. How are you doing today? Are you excited about the day? Are you excited about summer? I love summer. I do. It's probably one of my favorite seasons of youth ministry because there's, you know, people go on missions trips, and youth camp, and really it's, uh, you know, a, a time of really cool spiritual development where uh, students are just, you know, all over the place. But man, when they're at church or when they're at camp or when they're on the missions trip or the service project, whatever they're doing, man, it's just a whole nother level. It's just a whole different mindset because they're not, you know, worried about the pressure of you know school happening. And they're just kind of, they're more present, I feel. I don't know, but it's a whole different vibe and, and I enjoy it. I hope you are going to have an awesome summer. I hope you're going to enjoy your students this summer. But we're not here to talk about summer. We're here to talk about how to reach your campus for Christ. Now, why am I doing a episode about reaching your campus for Christ in May? Well, because it's too late to some degree in September. Now is when you're preparing. Now is when you're thinking about strategizing and thinking about, man, what can I do to make an impact on my campus, middle school, high school, even college? What can I do to to help facilitate the gospel and bring the kingdom to the campuses there? How can I better train students to engage uh, their friends with the gospel on campus? And today I have a guest that's going to be sharing how you can do that. Her name is Debbie DeBoer. She's the ministry director at First Priority Birmingham. Uh, it's a organization that helps facilitate student-led Bible clubs on campus and helps youth pastors coach those groups, right? Not lead them, but coach them, facilitate them. And today, Debbie and I are going to share some ideas on how you can make that happen on the campus near you. Now, before we get into all those ideas and strategies and whatnot, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by the Youth Ministry Roundup newsletter. That is my newsletter that I send out to a little over a thousand youth workers, and uh, it is packed with videos, articles, trends in culture, quotes, uh, resources, Uh, I send out frequent free Bible studies, free little things that you can use for your youth group, all that kind of good stuff. So if you're interested in getting things, they're going to help you grow personally and help you build a successful youth ministry. Well, then this is the newsletter you want to be a part of because you're going to get all this information in one spot once a week. I send it out. And I just say, look, here, here's, here's what I've discovered. I do all the hard work for you. I've discovered these videos, these quotes, these articles. Sometimes these articles are written by me. Sometimes they're written by other people. Sometimes they're my videos. Sometimes they're videos from other people. It doesn't matter to me. I just want the right resources in your hands that are going to inspire you and that's going to help you. So if you're interested in joining the newsletter, go ahead and uh, check out the link down below. You can sign up there. You'll get a free resource. And uh, I hope that you join. I hope that you're a part so that you don't miss that one article or one video that's going to help push things forward a little bit for you or for your youth ministry. So check out the link, join the uh, newsletter today, and you'll start getting emails probably the week right after you sign up. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into our conversation now with uh, Miss Debbie DeBoer, the Ministry Director of First Priority Birmingham, and I know this is going to be a blessing to you. All right, and welcome Debbie DeBoer to the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast. So glad for you to be here today. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Now, listen, I know that you are a superhero because you work with teenagers, as all of our listeners and viewers are uh, superheroes. And uh, every superhero has an 
origin story. So tell me your origin story of getting involved with youth ministry. And you can go back as far back as you want to go or however you choose to go. But tell us your your origin story. How did this all happen for you? Well, I think even as a young teenager, I always had great influence over my peers. I was that person that was the organizer, for lack of a better word, unfortunately, the party organizer as well. And so I had this amazing influence that God had given me, and I wasted it in my teenage years. I was a great little Christian girl on Sunday, invited all my friends to come to church with me. But then on Friday night, I was a completely different person. So it kind of didn't have uh, a, you know, a great, impactful story, kind of very hypocritical. Um, even though I had tremendous influence that I always could see kind of that thread weave through my life, um, I wasted it and didn't use it for the attention that the Lord gave it to me. But the cool thing was, is when I finally surrendered to complete, you know, full-time, got him in. It's not just about my agenda and not just having fire insurance, so to speak, to be able to access heaven, but it was an opportunity for me to say yes and to dive into whatever the call of God upon my life looked like. And that was a scary thing, but the most exciting adventure I'd ever done in my life. And when I said yes, it was just like this amazing opportunity for me just to kind of come full circle. So I purposely went to my 10-year school reunion and chose the party atmosphere purposely for me to be able to go back and be able to share with all my friends what God had done in my life. And so it's just kind of been an exciting journey just to kind of from that point on to kind of redeem a little bit of the past, but also, again, to just kind of full full throttle, go into youth ministry full time. And I kind of uh, did that when I was, oh my gosh, probably 25 years old. Um, I was uh, basically um, seeking the Lord and going through a devotional, um, my utmost for his highest. And the Lord uh, used that journal to really speak really bluntly to me because I'm from South Florida and that's kind of way I'm used to that kind of environment from where I grew up. And so the Lord yep. just kind of spoke that truth to me. And it was literally one day when I was sitting at my house, Paul, I was reading a devotional and it literally said, when I tell you to do something, I mean it. And it's either now or never get in or get out, but I'm done. And I was just like, <gasps> Oh my gosh, like, you know, all of a sudden it was, I mean, don't get me wrong. The kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance, but the Lord had just really kind of reached this point with me going, Debbie, I've got so much planned for you, but I'm not interested in you being the boss. And so it was that dying to self and that walking into, okay, Lord, um, I surrender. I say yes. And then the moment I said, yes, it was just like all Hades broke loose. I was working in corporate America at that time. I was a boss at my job running a store. And by the time I said yes, and I was like full throttle, Lord, I, I surrender. I'm quitting my job. I'm going to go into full-time ministry. I have no idea what that looks like. But all of a sudden, like nobody would talk to me. Like my employer wouldn't come to town. So he left me. God left me purposely in this holding pattern to make sure that I was going to follow him and not do it my way. And so I just continue to be obedient, waiting for the release for me to be able to quit my job and to like just go full force into a youth ministry at the time. Let me just kind of give you a little backstory. Um, I um, was dating my husband, my, dating my boyfriend, who is now my husband of 29 years. And um, we were at a little bitty church that I'm still at today. 
and um, they needed a minister of music to be able to kind of work with the choir. So I have a musical background and did all the show choir type things. Welcome to my people out there. And so I had this musical background. I'm like, well, I can help work with the choir. And this amazing young woman at the church goes, you know, it's not a job. It's a calling. And I was like, whatever. You know, I just kind of dismissed that. Because I was like, what do you mean it's a calling? Like, I'm just stepping up and volunteering my time to help with the church, to be the youth, you know, the minister of music, and all the while not realizing again how the Lord was just orchestrating every single step of putting me into an opportunity to be able to reach this next generation with the gospel. Because in the midst of being a music director at a church, all these teenagers kept coming to my bench. They kept coming to the choir room, the piano. I'm like, what are you doing in here? Get a robe, join the choir. Like, why are you here? And they would unload their sob stories on me, Paul. It was ridiculous. Like, it was just like, you know, like the stories that you hear, like, you know, where my dog ran outside and got ran over by a truck. I mean, it was like these kids had these incredible, horrific stories. And they were sharing this with me in the midst of choir rehearsal, getting ready to go like sing worship songs at the church. And totally oblivious. I promise you, I'm not blonde, but um, I was totally oblivious of what God was doing in the midst of that. Like I said, I was seeking the Lord. I was in my quiet time and he was speaking very bluntly to me, showing me the course of action that he had set out before. And so um, by the time all that happened and I said, yes, and it's been the greatest decision of my life, the humor of the Lord putting me in that waiting pattern that I talked about for a few minutes few uh, weeks and months leading up to me kind of being able to leave my secular job and go into ministry full time. Um, all the teenagers left our church. There was no one. I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord. I said, yes, I'm here. I've quit my job. I have no income. What are you doing? And there's not one teenager that is here at our church now. And what am I supposed to do? Like, what? what, what, what I just have was furious almost to one point, but he was just like, Debbie, I don't know why you expect for everybody to come to you, but I want you to go where they are. So I met this incredible man named Benny Prophet, who was the founder of First Priority and literally shared with me the opportunity of youth pastors being able to have a platform to get on campus to be able to reach the next generation at the largest mission field in America, the public school. And it was an opportunity for me to go and sew and step my feet in, but it was an opportunity for me to build relationships with students. And God in the midst of that gave me a youth group at our church. So it was just like, you know, you reap what you sow. Well, I was sowing seed in this next generation. I was spending time with teenagers. I was going to a local campus, which I am still at today. And it has been 27 years wow. and I love those kiddos. Oh my gosh. I, um, like I said, I, I'm probably talking way too much. You haven't even asked me the next question. <laughs> well, look, I think you've covered it though. I think that's, I think you've covered it now. You've covered the first two questions, which is great. Okay. But then, but then I would ask you then too, because those that are, those that are watching and those that are listening uh, are asking, well, and, and it seems like a, like a no brainer question, but, why is campus ministry so important right now? What kind of challenges are students facing that makes the campus the the place that you really want to be to be able to, to influence, like you said, 
to be go on campus and, and those kind of things. What, what is it about the campus now that uh, you feel like the challenges are there that youth pastors need to be kind of paying attention to? Well, I would say, you know, pre-COVID, you know, only 12% of teenagers attend a local church. So where are the rest of them? And that is, don't get me wrong, I think it's awesome to be able to disciple the next generation and to have a youth group at your campus. And that is absolutely amazing. But if we're only reaching 12% of teenagers, then there is 88% that we are not tapping into. And where are they? And my heart is evangelism. So my heart is for those people who do not know the Lord. And my heart is to be able to go where they're at. They're not coming to the church. So why are we sitting in our churches expecting people to come to us? We need to be equipped and empowered and go like the great commission says to go therefore and make disciples of all nations and literally getting involved and in being in the atmosphere where teenagers are. And that is at the local campus. That is the largest mission field in America where all these kids are a captive audience to be able to um, find out where they are. I mean, granted, you can find some maybe down the street and, you know, maybe at the local Walmart or whatever, but generally speaking, all the teenagers are at the school. So therefore, 20, 20, about 28 years ago, I um, walked onto a local public school campus. And the idea is it's called First Priority. And First Priority is legal, meaning that if you can have a chess club or a key club or any other kind of club, 1984 Equal Access Act said that as long as it's student-led and student-initiated, you can have a Christian club on campus. So it was an opportunity to take those awesome student leaders that are at your church that you pour your life into, just like Jesus poured his life into the disciples. You know, you have those 12 people around you that you have opportunity and you see great influence in their life and leadership capabilities. You pour into them, you send them to the campus, and then I become you know, a coach to be able to walk these students through being able to have a presence of a gospel movement at their local school. And um, so cool story. Um, the very first student that I ever met walking onto a campus, a middle school campus, she was like, she would tell you, who's my youth pastor? She goes, well, which one, my one at church or my one at school? So I didn't, I, I never had this girl enter my church I had her come speak and share her testimony at my church because we developed a relationship over the years. But, you know, she was just an incredible student leader that I had the opportunity to coach and pour into her life and show up that ministry of presence every single week on campus, built a relationship with her, met her parents. She came to the hospital with every single one of my babies. In fact, my middle child is named after her. And to the point that she was just an incredible young leader that loved the Lord. She never went to my church. Yeah. I just had an awesome opportunity of walking this road with her. And just a really cool like conclusion to that story. She went to college, became a teacher who is now an administrator at one of my schools. She allows first priority at her campus and her daughter, the next generation, is one of my student leaders where I met her mother. Wow. Wow. That is full circle. That is full oh, circle. Now, I know, listen, I, these type of sports and having worked with you and having worked on campuses, it is truly kingdom work. It is, it is, you know, there, you know, uh, it, it's not that um, youth pastors are going to step on a campus and, you know, the hopes are not that they're going to build their youth ministry. The hopes is that they're going to be able to share the gospel and have greater influence with that. 
That being said, though, there are a lot of youth pastors, like I said, who are, who are watching and listening going, well, that's great, but I have no influence on the campus right now at all. I, I don't even I don't even go to my campus. So the question is this, what would you recommend as some baby steps for a youth pastor to start connecting with their local campus before they get to the first priority stage? What are some things that a youth pastor can do to simply kind of, you know, step their foot in the door or at least find a way not to, you know, not to pry their way in or wiggle their way in, but to actually be useful to their campus? Yes, Um, I would say, number one, pray, 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 pray that, you know, number one, that God would just give you influence, that he would enlarge your territory, that he would give you every place that you set your foot. So, I mean, prayer is definitely the beginning. But also build a relationship with your local school in your area. Figure out the one that's close enough to your church and then go and just have that ministry of presence. Just go show up. Go drop off just a little goodie basket that your sweet little church ladies or your Sunday school senior adult class can make some little baked goods and go, hey, you know what? I'm so-and-so down the street and I'm at this church. We'd love just an opportunity to serve you. If you need anything, we just want to let you know that you're here. Drop off little notes of encouragement. I mean, having that ministry of presence, showing up every single week was an opportunity. Not It, it wasn't manipulative. It was just my heart was, hey, I'm down the street. I'm a local youth pastor. I love you. I care about this community. This is my area, and I want to make sure that I own this part of the wall, we talk about Nehemiah a lot in first priority. And that is, you know, hearing the call and being broken about the condition of Jerusalem lying in ruin. Are we really concerned about the condition of teenagers today? Are we really concerned about how they have no hope and how they're isolated and lonely? And and I can get very emotional. Um, And, And you know what, too, Debbie, that teachers feel the same way. Teachers feel isolated. Teachers feel alone. Yeah. These are these are human beings as well. The gospel isn't just for the students. The gospel is for the teachers as well, because they are going through, you know, unimaginable nonsense. Mm-hmm. Anything from, you know, violence on campus, whether they're fights or whether they're, you know, uh, any of these other things that happen on a campus that a teacher has to be involved with, that mm-hmm. a that a that a youth pastor can minister. Listen, so this, and this is why we're doing this now. This is why I'm, I'm doing this, this uh, episode in May is because I think it's important that youth workers start thinking towards September. They need to go ahead and start mm-hmm. strategizing now. End of the okay. year is when they start thinking about it and start preparing their students for the summer and start building this missionary core of kids who are going to go out onto their campus uh, and, and be a part of that. But every, every youth pastor can say, listen, why can't, you know, youth pastors have bring donuts to the staff on staff work days? You know, why can't they uh, give them, uh, you know, gift cards? Why can't they write teachers notes? Why can't they offer them uh, a luncheon at their church as they kick off to say, thank you, teachers, right? The opportunities there, I mean, the seasons mm-hmm. lend themselves to the church and to youth pastors in particular to be able to reach out and say, what do you need? What can we do? What can I include in my budget every year to say, how do I minister to get, do you need, do you have kids that need pencils? Do you have kids that need supplies? Do you have kids that need those things? Talk to me. You, you, you know, schools have, you know, obviously you see teachers all the time that are, uh, you know, constantly talking about how they spend their own money on their own classroom because there is no budgetary, you know, 
surplus or anything. There's not even a surplus because surplus is on basics for teachers to be able to get that. And that's where the church can come alongside and says, I want to help. How can I help your classroom? How can I help these things? And so as we talk then, as we, as, as we connect that, then to say, look, find a way to connect on campus, use the opportunities there, use the seasons, mm-hmm. all those things. Once you've kind of made your way into that and built a, where at least the you know administration knows your name, kind of knows who you are. They know that you're not a grifter. They know that you're not a, a flyby night. You know, you're not there to just scoop up kids and do, you know, whatever. You're there to really minister to the campus and then they're looking for the opportunity to minister on the campus. So then that brings us to then how does first priority then work? How does, how does a, uh, how does that function? How does a Bible club function on campus? Well, like I said, after you've built that relationship and you have that rapport, um, in order for first priority to be legal on a campus is we want to make sure that we secure a teacher sponsor. And the teacher sponsor is literally that ref, that person that calls things out of bounds. Their job is not to teach at the first priority club. Their job is not to do anything that would compromise their position with the school board, but it is literally there for them to provide a space and a room for us to meet on campus. So that would be the first step is just identifying once you build that relationship with the school, sitting down with the principal and just saying, hey, this is a great opportunity of being able to invest in this next generation, raise up student leaders that are going to be a positive peer group on your campus that are going to bring something of value to your campus in order to be able to mobilize the hope of Christ in every student, providing that opportunity for those people who are lonely and isolated and feel disconnected for them to have an opportunity to hear about the life-changing message of Jesus on a school campus. And that happens by just a teacher saying yes and opening up a room. Um, I have a particular story that's really cool. Um, A lot of our clubs after COVID shut down, and then we've been in the process of relaunching a lot of those campuses. And some of those teacher sponsors have retired or they've moved on or they have so many responsibilities like policing hallways and doing carpool and all the things that it's been hard to be able to identify a teacher sponsor for some of these clubs. And um, I'll share just a really cool story just recently couple months ago, um, we had a teacher sponsor that we reached out to that was our previous sponsor in the past who said, I'm so sorry. I love First 40. I just cannot with my load right now do this. Let me be able to kind of send it out across to all the emails to all the teachers in order to be able to let that happen. And so she sent it out um, and students, you know, kind of were like asking their favorite teachers at the school, hey, would you be our sponsor? Would you be our sponsor? And this one lady at this particular school said, I don't know anything about first priority. I do not know what I'm doing saying, yes, I'm not involved in a local church right now. I'm struggling in my relationship with the Lord, but I feel so heavy into I have to say yes. I have to say yes. And so anyway, she said yes, became our sponsor. We started a club there literally just a couple months ago. And what is so absolutely amazing is seeing how every single week, this particular teacher sponsor that's in the room um, in tears and literally listening to these students pour out their hearts and share what Christ is doing in their lives to the point where they're leading her teacher. The students are leading their teachers and encouraging them and speaking life over them and blessing them. And so it's just absolutely incredible that this one person's yes 
that she thought, you know, burdened to do that now is changing her life. And now she is receiving the Lord and she's being changed by the gospel every single week these kids speak. So that's the first step is we want to be able to have a teacher sponsor that makes it legal for us to be able to be on campus. Then the next step would be we take uh, student leaders, those key student leaders from every single one of our churches, not one church, but lots of churches. It's multi-denominational. This is not about your church. This is about the kingdom. This is about taking students that are surrounding a school that all go through 10 to different 12 churches around the area and giving them a platform for them to unite as one They go to school together. They do life together for the next four, six years, depending on what grade they're in. But that way they can all be um, mobilized as student leaders together. It's not based on one person. That way we build a team. We have everybody a job to do. And we take different giftings that each one of these students have. And we mobilize them into a club that they can be able to function on campus. So the first step is teacher sponsor. Second step would be gathering student leaders that have a heart for the Lord, that they are exemplifying Christ-like character, walking with integrity. We don't want the kids that are in detention all the time being student leaders in first priority. There's just uh, a little hypocrisy there, which I get, trust me, I know. But at the same time, we need to walk uprightly before the Lord in the way we live our life. And in the midst of that, then we take the local church, that local youth pastor that surrounds that campus, and we build networks of support of youth pastors around the area, getting to know the guy down the street or the girl down the street, having lunch with them, building relationships with local churches that are around you. But then we take a coach just like if we were running a football team right now and you have football practice with your players, there has to be a coach that's helping them run the play. There has to be somebody that's setting them up for success, that's teaching them, you know, all the different things, the penalties and all those things to watch out for. Also, the one that can step in and call an audible, hey, that didn't go so well. But a coach is somebody like me at that campus that I walked onto 27 years ago. I walked in as a campus coach. I wasn't any one of those kids, youth pastors. I was just caring and I wanted to coach them and equip them and empower them to be able to reach their campus with the gospel. And that means showing up. That means having leadership meetings with them and walking through the content. I treated that small group of youth student leaders as my small group. They were the ones I was pouring into every week, just like you have a small group or a hub group or whatever at your church, but they were the ones I pour into making sure they understood the play. They understood the content, who's getting up and sharing, who's walking through their testimony, who is like prepared so that when they get up, they're confident. And I'm not dare setting somebody up for failure. That would just be horrific. I want them to be able to speak passionately, confidently, knowing what Christ has placed in them in order to be able to give that away. And so on club day, first priority day, I'm on the sidelines. I'm there to catch them if they fall, but they're the ones leading and I'm just there, their biggest cheerleader, their biggest exhorter. Right. And you bring, and that's a great point because I, I think that youth pastors are, 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 are listening to this and watching this are saying, Paul, I don't need another job. Well, let me tell you something. It's already your job to right. make disciples. So let's let's throw that out there. Okay. So if you're full-time, listen, if you're part-time, you're a volunteer, we totally understand. But if you're a full-time youth pastor, you know, you have, you can bake that time into your schedule, volunteers and so much, but we all have the responsibility to make disciples. And really what you're doing is 
if you have a campus mission, in other words, if you have two, I always look at it this way. Listen, you, you're developing leaders anyway. You're developing disciples and leaders for your own youth ministry, but, but you also are looking for opportunities for them outside of your church ministry to use those gifts and talents as well and to be able to share what God's done in their life. And so it's not the youth pastor who is sharing. The coach is not the one who shares. The coach is not the one. You're not, as a youth pastor, you're showing up as a coach, as an equipper. You're a facilitator is what you are. You're not speaking. You know, I know there's a lot of youth pastors that want to get on campus and do the speaking. And that's not your role. Your role is to go and equip and train. Right. Like scripture says, right? Equip the people for the work of the ministry. That's our job, mm-hmm. being equippers. And so when you say that, I want to make sure too that just to 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 say, look, youth pastors, you you don't ha- you don't have to do the message. You just have to do the equipping part and facilitate and help train these kids that you're supposed to be doing anyway. And then creating an environment on their campus where they can go ahead and be successful in that and providing the platform for them to invite a friend to first priority to hear the gospel or to hear somebody, you know, where, whereas they will never get those friends of theirs to come to church, but they might get them to come to first priority to hear the gospel, which is the whole goal. And then after that, that discipleship happens that, yeah, that kid who shares the gospel out of a kid received Christ on campus and they share the gospel with them, then it makes it a lot easier for them to invite them to church and say, would love for you to come to this event. Would love for you to come a part of, of who we are. If you're looking for something outside of the campus ministry, well, then the church and is the, mm-hmm. is the, next, lo- the next logical step for them to participate in. And the campus ministry gives you that opportunity to have those kind of dynamic relationships. Um, so if, and I know, by the way, and I know we'll get this towards the end. This is all on your website. Give people the website mm-hmm. real quick where people can get the info. I mean, it's all planned out. This is not yeah. theory here. This is all a plan and, 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 and all uh, devotions are there. The whole thing is given to you. Where can people go to find that? Yeah, so we're at firstpriorityal.com is our website. And I just want to encourage you that First Priority, yes, is an equal access-based club. Student leaders run the club, but we are gospel-focused. We are student-led. The number one influence on a teenager is another teenager. It's not us. Don't get me wrong. We have some platform where they'll listen to us, which is great, but we want to, we're missing it if we're not empowering this next generation to speak to their peer. Peer-to-peer evangelism is the most effective way in order to be able to spread the gospel amongst their age group. And so we are definitely student-led. We have a strategy that we give students to be able to walk them through success. That is that we give them a playbook line by line, precept by precept, we walk them through every step so that when they get up and lead, they're more than confident. And if they don't have a coach, which is sad, but if they don't have a coach, then they can confidently get up and we have resourced them to be successful on their campus. So we are strategy-based. And then the last component is we're local church engaged. We want to engage the local church to be those coaches, to be able to equip students. And don't get me wrong, when I started the youth ministry 27, 28 years ago, I was not full-time. I was bivocational. I was working. I was just walking out in faith that God would provide for me. We're talking, it takes 30 minutes, one day a week to do first priority. If you meet with student leaders outside of your club meeting, you're talking one hour a week. 
You cannot tell me that you are too busy that you don't have one hour to be able to invest in this next generation to see the reward because we've had 1,038 students pray to receive Christ on campus this year. Wow. That is incredible. Including this morning, I just left a student leadership team that we just started last week. Today was our second meeting. And the little boy sat there and told me, he goes, Miss Debbie, I'm not baptized yet. And I said, okay. That's okay. I said, talk to me. Have you ever invited Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sin? He goes, yes, yes, I have done that. But my parents refused to take me to church. Mm. And so thank you, Lord, that first priority is on the campus. We never want to be that church, (laughs) but I'm thankful that we're there. The only place where he has an opportunity to hear about the truth. So first priority, unfortunately, serves as the church for so many students that parents don't go. And that won't get up and take them or that are divorced and they're back and forth, back and forth, a different parent's house. Don't get me wrong. But I told this little boy today, I said, you know what? Have you made a decision to follow Jesus? He said, yes. I said, could you go to church with one of the student leaders that are here in the room with you? He goes, I don't know, maybe. I said, do you think your parents would let you go with a friend? You know, even if they won't get up and take you, could you go with a buddy? Could you go with a friend? And so we're working through and we're walking through those steps. If I wasn't there, what would happen? Yeah, nothing. You know, I mean, it's just like literally taking like baby steps to help these students get plugged in so they can hear more truth and get discipled and be able to change the world. Right. And very quickly, tell me about the, there's a process. Give me the process of the, of the weeks, right? Every week you use Mm -hmm. the epic strategy, right? Yeah. So what is that week then? So right each week, it's not just randomness. There's an actual nope. uh, uh, system to it, right? Because I know people listening are going, well, what's the system, Paul? What's the, how do you break it down? Well, tell me very quickly then, what is each week? How does, how does the coach help facilitate this? What does the process breakdown look like? every week. Right. Yeah. So we um, have done different things in the past. Right now we're doing EPIC and EPIC stands for an acronym that's E-P-I-C. So E-Week is all about equipping students for the tool for the gospel. We have evangelism bracelets that we walk students through a simple, clear presentation of the gospel. We're using this year, the four bracelet, which is the heart, which means God loves you. Then we see the division sign. Sin divides us from his presence. He is holy. We are not. We reject God's love. We choose to do things our own way. Then the cross means that Jesus came to rescue us from our sin and died on the cross, resurrected the third day in order to give us new life if we put our faith in him. And then the question mark on the bracelet um, literally becomes, will you trust him? What are you going to do with that message? Like it's a choice that's broken down for you. So in the midst of that, we equip students with a tool for the gospel. And every single e-week, we are equipping students on how to be able to start those gospel conversations and how to share via a bracelet or whatever that is. How can I pray for you? But walking them through that. Then P is prepare week. That is where we're preparing students to get up and share their testimony. No two stories are the same. Tell me about your What was it that led you to Christ? Where were you? Were you isolated, abandoned? Were you lonely? Were you depressed? Were you forgotten? What is it that led you to need a savior to save you? So we teach kids how to walk through their basic testimony and talk about where they were when they received Jesus. And then how has their life changed now that they know him? Tell me about the faith walk of how Jesus has changed your life. Then the I week is very intentional. And this is why we do first priority. And that is the invite week. I 
is where we give a student an opportunity to walk through the simple gospel message. He loves you, died on the cross for your sin, came to pay the price for your sin that you could not erase and that he sacrificed himself to give you new life and walk through the whole presentation of the gospel. And then we give response cards where we have every single student at First Priority have an opportunity to respond to the gospel message right there in their classroom at their school. Then the leadership team takes those people that have responded and they follow up with them. They start praying for them. They start asking them, hey, do you have a church home? Hey, do you have a Bible? All the things to be able to get them plugged in. So E is equipped. P is prepare, I is invite week, which is a clear presentation of the gospel with response, and then C week, EPIC, E-P-I-C, C is connect week, and that is purposely designed to connect students, of course, to the local church. We want them, first of all, of course, to be connected to the Lord, to their community at school via first priority, but then the local church. They've got to get plugged in to get the next steps, to even talk about baptism, to even talk about, you know, guys, the gospel is just the beginning. Oh, my gosh, there's so much more because you get to walk transformed by the Holy Spirit into his likeness. So we've got to teach these kids in order to be able to walk through that. And so it's staggering right now. We did some... um, looking up some different statistics and different studies, but at right now, um, parents with preteen age kids, so nine to 12 years old, all parents across the U.S. with preteen age kids, only 2% of the parents have a biblical worldview. Mm. You know, we take for granted, oh, everybody knows about the gospel. Everybody knows about Jesus. In this woke society, trust me, there ain't nobody that knows about Jesus. In fact, it's kind of hate speech if you say anything remotely controversial or truth driven from the word of God. So you guys, we are having a generation of students that do not know the word, that have never been to church. They have never heard the story of Noah and Adam and Eve. And I cannot believe I'm even saying that, but it's true. This generation, parents are distracted because they're all worried about all the things. And don't get me wrong. There's sports out there, all the things that consume our weekends that we have lost. We have lost the opportunity and lost the lost this generation because we're too distracted about every other thing that doesn't matter. And we're not equipping these students to cope with life and be able to deal with rejection or hard times or obstacles And we're setting them up for failure if we aren't reaching them and discipling them and teaching them the keys of the kingdom. Yeah. And and you're right. And the, and the whole thing you said earlier is that, look, if if we can't, if a, if a youth pastor is struggling to get their student or get any students to come to their youth group, they really should look hard at their campus because if they're not, if they're not taking the gospel to their, not them, if they're not equipping and training students to help facilitate uh, this meeting that's going to happen on campus is Bible club on campus, you know, then, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, whistling in the wind, so to speak. They're they're you know, you're hoping you're, I mean, this is not a strategy. <laughs> Cross, right. Crossing your fingers. Right. Crossing your fingers. Hope, hope is not, hope is not a strategy here. Okay. You actually have to go do something. You have to do the work mm-hmm. and in doing this uh, and talk about connect week, that's a great opportunity. I would encourage students uh, when I was doing first party too, that whoever was leading say, look, Tell somebody about an event at your church, right? Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity to invite. I know you special. Well, what's in it for me? Well, mostly nothing. Uh, I'll say this, except for the fact that you're building the kingdom, which is something, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but as far as you're going to gain 500 kids, you know, to your youth group is not the point. The, the Connect Week, though, will, will facilitate. Say, look, 
the, the student that gets up and share can always, and anybody can share and say, hey, you know, what's if you're interested in coming and attending an event or something, we have things going on in our church, anybody's welcome, anybody's welcome to show up and those kind of things. So it becomes a great connecting point in that fashion. And of course, students inviting brand new people who know the Lord and people who uh, are just not, you know, maybe believers, but haven't like that young man who simply can't get to church. They've accepted the Lord, they know the Lord, but they can't get there. And that becomes a prime opportunity, especially if you're the one on campus like you listening to these stories and helping Mm -hmm. facilitate those things. So Debbie, as we start to wrap up our time together, there are youth pastors, like I said, they're listening and they're watching and they're on the fence about how they're going to use their time come September, how they're going to, how they're going to budget come September, how they're going to, you know, do these things. They're coming up with all these ideas, these great ideas for outreaches. They're coming up with all those things and they're, and they're, they are, they're concerned about their campus. Talk to them for just a minute and say, listen, here's, here's my last pitch to you as to why you need to go ahead and start something with your students on your local campus? Um, Well, like I said, uh, campus ministry is definitely what I was designed for. I love it, love it, love it. My heart is every campus that I go to, there is an atheist that I meet every time. The Lord just brings them to me, and it's just absolutely incredible. Where would I ever have those opportunities to have those kind of conversations with people if I'm not out in my community doing life and getting involved. So I will tell you this, you reap what you sow. I did not have a youth group when I started doing first priority, but I went and started sowing seed and I started showing up on campus and I wouldn't, I didn't try to steal other people's kids that went to other churches. I just showed up and God in the midst of that started, you know, delivering people one after another that I had a hope. This was kind of fun. I had a whole entire group of Catholic kids that had given their lives to the Lord. I had mamas and daddies and parents calling me up that were mad at me because they're like, why does my kid want to come to church with you? And I'm like, I haven't invited them to church with me, I promise. But I'm asking you and imploring you, would you provide an opportunity for these people on campus or at your church to be able to hear about the life-changing message and spend time with them, investing in them and developing them? Because in that particular circle, they didn't really have youth ministry. In fact, I can tell you right now, we are purposely walking through different churches that do not have a youth ministry at their church, but there are kids that are hungry and parents that are seeing what's happening on campus and going, what are we doing? We have got to be able to do something to help these kids. And so it's actually launching youth ministry at these churches because of what's happening at these campuses. So if we would just to show up, can I tell you, if you're not extroverted or if you're quiet and you are not that person that loves to like just build relationships with random strangers, it's okay. Just by being in the room, just that ministry of presence of you showing up, kids start coming up to you and start hanging with you and start asking you questions. And you could go have lunch with them even at the campus, you know, go have lunch, spend some time with them, ask your kids, meet them at McDonald's, whatever. I just want to encourage you that you're missing the opportunity of the next Billy Graham. You are. If we aren't raising up the next Billy Graham, then what are we going to have? What is this world offering them? Yeah. If we don't give them Jesus, you guys, this generation, I believe in my heart um, that this generation that has been through so much through COVID 
through so many obstacles that they've had to overcome, this generation is going to usher in the return of Christ. Yeah. And right. what are we doing to get them ready? Yeah. yeah. They're ready. They are. And I agree. And I agree. And there's a big difference between theory and practice. If you, you can get a newsletter or read the internet about what's happening at your school, or you can actually show up to your school and listen and watch and actually see what's happening and participate in that. And so powerful word, Debbie, powerful word. I want to thank you so much for, for being on the, uh, on the show today and being a part. And, and uh, I just pray that you just keep doing what you're doing, keep reaching campuses for mm-hmm. Christ. And, uh, and just thank you for, uh, for being a great, uh, for me, being a great leader and being a great influence and, uh, and allowing me to partner with you for the season that I was uh, at first priority uh, to, to be able to partner and be able to, to, to see the work that's done on these campuses and the work that continues happening. So, but, uh, but thank you for being here today and sharing your heart. Yeah. And I appreciate you and just want to, I'm available to help encourage, empower, pray for, um, exhort just to be able to have people take that next step. They'll never that, regret it. And one more time, give them the website. Where can they find all this information? If they want to start a campus and they can have access to you, and I'll put all everything down, will be in the links down below. You can go to the website. You can get uh, in contact, Debbie, all that stuff. You tell them one more time, where can they go to get this information? Yeah, it's firstprioryal.com. And then my email is D-E-B-I, Debbie at firstprioryal.com. Love to help you. Love to be able to encourage you. Love to hear what's happening in your community and what's happening at your church so we can partner in prayer with you, but also be able to extend your reach and be able to expand your territory and be able to reach this next generation. Thank you, Debbie DeBoer, for sharing your heart, your passion uh, for young people and for the campus. Uh, and those of you listening, I hope that you were inspired. I hope that you heard her voice. I hope you heard her cry uh, for youth pastors to help facilitate Uh, Bible clubs on campus so that a generation can be reached. Go check out the website down below, firstprioryal.com, and all the resources are there to help you facilitate uh, students getting on campus and starting a Bible club right where they are. If you're brand new to the podcast, thank you for listening today. Thank you for being a part. I hope that you liked it so much. You're going to go ahead and subscribe because you want this in your inbox every week. And if you're a regular, as always, I appreciate your time and your attention. Uh, I appreciate your heart for growing. I appreciate your heart to to pursue all that God has called you for. And you're including this podcast in your in your growth process uh, for becoming a better youth pastor. And whether this is your first time or your 230th time listening to this podcast, I say thank you to you. If you would like to leave some reviews about this, I would love for you to, if you've enjoyed it, if you've never left a review and you want people to find this podcast, people like yourself who are looking for information, inspiration, motivation, all those things, then be sure to go ahead and click the link down below as well. Leave five stars and a review, and I would be happy to read it right here on the air. So, but that is it for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If, uh, if nobody's told you lately that you're doing a good job, well, let me tell you, you're doing a good job and you're only going to get better. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode.